that's the jingle. So you know, this is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bold, the fountain of truth. The truth about what? The truth about aging. And what a show we have today. We are going to be talking about your sex life. I know you've been waiting for that. Put some sizzle in that sex life with a leading sex therapist, and you're going to meet her, going to hear about her book, and all the things that you could be doing so that you never have to say, I'm sorry. Uh, We're also going to be hearing from Patrick Roden, uh, Aging in Place Specialist, and he's going to tell you why. Don't cuddle yourself. And if you're a caregiver, toughen up, suck it up, and don't cuddle your older parents either. Half of every 60-year-old has an 80- or 90-year-old parent, and you know you think you should be cutting their meat. Well, maybe not. Also, how does knitting and all that great spaghetti art that you used to do in kindergarten keep you young? So that's just the beginning of what we're going to be covering in a very, very fast-paced hour here on Generation Bold. You want more of it? You can get more of it. You go to generationboldradio.com. You can see many more articles by our guests, myself and others, and read the books that we suggest there. It's a terrific community. And you can join that community and tell us what you want to hear about. So that's generationboldradio.com with some of the most inspirational photos that you'll ever see anywhere. Uh, and right before we introduce our first guest, I do want to give you one of our famous aging police reports. You know that we tell people that we're anti-ageism and we blow the whistle. Uh, and we give grades on things like movies and education and media and ads. Well, I'm going to give a fairly decent grade. You're going to be shocked. I'm giving a 6-plus from a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best, to the uh, World Congress in Aesthetic and Anti-Aging Medicine. Now, that took place two weeks ago. Uh, I can't give them too high a mark because I don't like the words anti-aging. I don't like any kind of anti when it comes to aging. I am pro-aging. But 9,000 very rich physicians showed up to this one in the Forum Grimaldi in the Principalité of Mexico. Uh, of Monaco, Mexico. I have Mexico on my mind because I work in La Paz. Principality of Monaco. And uh, they had three words for what they want to do to your face. Are you ready? Charisme, personalité, and self-estime. In other words, not much. They want you to keep your own personality, no matter what kind of a facelift or non-invasive procedure they do for you. And that's why I give them a fairly decent grade. And this is a quote. We want to preserve the personality of any individual by minimally invasive and self-treatments. And so they want you to be able to take this home. They want you to be safe. And that's very different. It's very different than the old idea of making everybody look like the Bride of Wildenstein uh, or, you know, to make them look like the latest uh, Jennifer Aniston. No. Keep you as you are, looking a little fresher, a little younger, so they get a six plus, even though they use the term anti-aging and they want to cut, slice, and dice you. Okay, that's the aging police for today. Now, you know, some of you have bigger issues, and those issues are that you're really not enjoying your sex life. We do know, very frankly, that uh, the growing population of divorces are people not only over the age of 50, but even over the age of 65. And sex does keep people together, also keeps them healthier. And if anybody knows that, it's the great Beatty Cohan. She has, uh, is the author of For Better, For Worse, Forever. Uh, discover the Path to Lasting Love. 
and sex is part of that. She has a tripart couples counseling and individual counseling sex therapy, uh, and she'll tell you all about that counseling service. And uh, one of the most important things about her is she's very genuine, and she's really part of the fountain of truth when it comes to something that is a very difficult topic to discuss, and that is your own sexuality uh, at any time in life, but particularly as you age. So thank you for being with us, Beattie. It's wonderful to be talking with you, Adrian. No, it really is, and it's exciting. And, and, and let's I want to go right to it in the sense, well, <clears throat> anything we say here is going to be a metaphor and sound funny, but uh, let's get right at it. Uh, f- the sizzle in your sex life, does it really have to wane as you get older? Absolutely not. In fact, what's so interesting is that I have three private practices. I have one here in New York City, one in East Hampton, and one in Sarasota, Florida, where I've lived for 15 years. Right now, I am in New York City. And uh, in Sarasota, I would say about 25 to 30% of my patients were over the age of 60, and many were over the age of 70 and 80. And I want to tell you, and I want to tell your listeners this, that many of these 70 and 80-year-olds were having absolutely terrific sex. Their frequency was far greater than many, many of the couples who were in their 30s and 40s. So age does not need to stand in our way. So, you know, you have said that frequency is something we ought to think about, and we're not very frequent in the United States. So, uh, is that true? We're not. In fact, there was a really interesting study that uh, came out recently that in France, couples have sex 2.2 times a week. And in the United States, that number is a little over two times a month. So we are not in the same place as people who are living in France for all kinds of reasons. So I know that you have 10, there's more, but 10 really top things that people ought to know about uh, to improve their sex life, to keep that sizzle in their sex life. Uh, Hopefully we'll get to the first three. And I want to just jump in right now. If you can help people who are listening, what would be some of the top things you would ask of them? Okay, number one, we need to be, each of us, in a good place, emotionally, psychologically, psychiatrically, or the last thing that we are going to want to do is jump into bed and have sex with anybody if we're feeling depressed, if we're feeling anxious, so we need to be okay, and we need to take care of what I call our skeletons in the closet for people who've been sexually abused or sexually assaulted, so we need to be committed dealing with our own issues so that we're really able to be free and live in the moment. So that's step number one. Now, number two, of course, so number one is look at the man in the mirror. Number two. Okay, I love that, Adrian. Number two, our relationships must be satisfied. Again, particularly for women, if we're walking around and we're angry and we're disappointed and we're feeling hostile, for our partners, again, we are not, particularly as women, we are not want to go uh, into any room in the house and, and make love. So we have to deal with the issues in our relationship, whether or not there's communication or problem solving or sexual issues. So the relationship needs to be dealt with and dealt with effectively with a plan of action if you are not feeling 
is if your relationship is satisfied. And a third top? Okay. The sexual side effects of the multitude, and this is something that we really don't think about too much, of the multitude of prescription medications, including all the antidepressants. I mean, in this country, people are way overprescribed antidepressants, but there's high blood pressure medication, cholesterol medication. And the thing that is really important, Adrian, for the listeners to know is that you need to bring this up with your doctor. And I'm not suggesting that you get off your SSRIs or your high blood pressure medication, but frequently a change in the family of medicine and in the dose can really make all the difference in the world. So that we need to double check when we're speaking with our primary physician or, or with any of the doctors that we see. And if we're noticing, if we're noticing that perhaps that could be uh, a factor, we as the consumer, we need to bring it up because mostly our doctors don't. So, you know, one of the things that just came out is a men's health program at the Brady Urological Institute at Johns Hopkins and a couple of others that said uh, men do not take good care of themselves physically, and they do come to a doctor when it comes to erectile dysfunction. And many doctors are being taught now, use that as the can opener, so to speak, uh, to say, look, you, it, erectile dysfunction is not a standalone issue. It's blood pressure, cholesterol levels. Let's look at everything from your weight, your sleep apnea. But when I mentioned erectile dysfunction, you said something absolutely in keeping with all of their studies, and that was it could be a heart issue. In fact, that should be really the first place that doctors rule out where, you know, where there may not be sufficient blood flow from the heart to the penis. And I think that in our quick fix society today, you know, people are saying, well, just take a Viagra, just take a Cialis. Right. The fact is, is that we need to get to the root of the problem, and the root of the problem may be a cardiac issue, which is why you need to discuss this in depth with your doctor. So we're going to take a little bit of a break. We're speaking with Beauty Cohen. We're going to get her uh, contact information, uh, more about her book. And when we return, I'm going to ask you one question, Beauty. Should I dress up as a cheerleader? Or something, or a nurse, or something else. What about all of the images we have of the sex therapist, where we're told to go and do something that would ordinarily be seen on the Broadway stage in kinky boots? So does that really help? Does that really matter? Uh, obviously, you're telling us, look at your medication, get some exercise, take care of your heart. It's Generation Bold. It's the family truth. Don't go anywhere. For my age. We're inappropriate for our age, and this is Adrienne Berg, and I am certainly trying to be inappropriate for my age. Uh, you can read all about my background and the background of the show and participate in the show and listen to archives of the show at generationboldradio.com. That's generationboldradio.com. This is Generation Bold, the fountain of truth about the word that cannot speak its name, and that word is aging. And right now, there's another word that used to not be able to speak its name, and that was sex. But now we could say it, sex, sex, sex. And the person who is a leader in understanding how to have a better sex life, sizzle in your sex life, is B.D. Cohen. Let me just give you the website, B-E-A-T-T-Y-C-O-H-A-N.com. Very easy, her name, B-E-A-T-T-Y-C-O-H-A-N.com. She is a couples and individual sex counselor in the great state of Florida, in Sarasota, in New York City, 
and in East Hampton, and she's also a radio talk show host on Progressive Radio. Uh, so I want to uh, go where we, we kind of left off, BD. We were acknowledging, and uh, for you it's a very important as uh, a counselor, that sexuality and the actual sexual performances have to do with your overall health. But I also, you know, that the image of the sex therapist is to tell people to do things that are out of the ordinary of maybe uh, follow their fantasies. Is there anything to that, or is that just media hype and, and what we see in the movies? I think that we need to give people permission to be as free as they want to be. If you want to dress up, that's great. Uh, with the uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, if you want to experiment and, and tie up your partner, and if those people are comfortable with, you know, giving that a whirl, then so be it. I think that we need to, you know, at least try at times to get out of our comfort zone. And I'm really a believer, especially in the crazy, busy, hectic society of ours, of, of, of making dates for sex, because you know what happens? is that if people are going to wait for the perfect time at the candlelight dinner, I mean, they may wait weeks right, and right, months right. and sometimes even years. But we have to give ourselves permission to just loosen up, especially in this country. And don't confuse sex and romance because they may have nothing to do with each other. So that's, that's a good one. But, you know, the First Wives Club is coming to Broadway. I had a chance to see it in Chicago. I snuck away from the American Society on Aging. And one of the main characters is a sex therapist. And not only does she suggest that uh, everybody dress up, she does it too. And it's interesting to me because one of the fun, funniest lines in a Woody Allen movie is there he is and he's with a prostitute. And he's all roughed up. And she says to him, what took you so long? And he says, you know what? I couldn't think of the right fantasy. <laughs> and I, I have to wonder, Beatty, is, is sex in our head, is the ability to uh, rev ourselves up and get hot as much uh, an individual activity as it is a two-person practice? Should we be fantasizing or is that a cover-up for not having good sex? No, I think that fantasy is terrific in fact. Uh, I had hosted Rhode Island's first calling Samson radio talk show a number of years ago, and we were talking about extramarital affairs. And what I said is that people are able to have extramarital affairs. They can have sex anytime, any day, with whomever they want, anywhere in the world, in their head. And fantasy is really, really powerful. And people will ask me, well, if I'm with my partner, should I be fantasizing about somebody else or something else? And my response to that is, is why not, as long as you're comfortable with it. Yeah, I'm always for the better deal. So if you can <laughs> fantasize a better deal, go right forward. Who's going to know? That's the important thing. So, uh, yeah, now we go on to the next part of it, and that is the way we look. I mean, we've got to talk about this when it comes to sex and aging, and I have yeah. to go back. I, I'm a pop culture person. I have to go back to Alec Baldwin and um, Meryl Streep in It's Complicated. They had been divorced. They were going to have sex after divorce. They were older, and she says another thing I'll never forget. Could I lie down first? And I knew exactly why, and so did every woman in the audience, because when you're lying down, all of the stuff that's sagging <laughs> looks much better. So we tend to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, yuck, when did I become my mother? And does that, how, how do we forget about the fact that we're sagging a little, we don't, don't look quite as good as they show you in the movies? 
so funny that you're talking about that movie because my fiance and I, we actually watched it last night. So <laughs> very familiar with what you're just saying. What I'm talking about. I think that women in particular, we have to stop beating ourselves up. On the other hand, I am a believer in really keeping ourselves fit physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, and there is there's no reason at all because we're over 50, over 60, over 70 that we can't walk, that we can't wa- watch what we're eating, uh, that we can't try to be the best that, that we can possibly be, and I think that people ought not to allow age to be an excuse and a barrier to being fit and to feeling sexy, and to dressing sexy, and, and, and to be adventurous. Yes. You know, I once, in our I once had a fellow say to me, we, we had a conversation about this, and he said, there's not a man in this world who has ever said, gee, I'd have sex with her if only she could lose four pounds. Exactly. <laughs> there's nobody who who's, would be who's ever said that. Was, and if there was a man who said that in your life, who do you want? would any woman want to be with him? Pe- pe- so, all right, so that is true. And before we wrap up, we do have to say this. Look, you're in a world of talking to very sensitive people about very sensitive subjects. How would you suggest somebody who's in a marriage or in a long-term relationship that doesn't feel right about their sex habits, they're, just, they're not satisfied, how should they broach it to their partner to go to you? Well, I think the best thing is to sit down and say, listen, I, I, I love you and I'm, you know, having some issues myself with not feeling as sexy and as responsive as I would like to feel and I don't know how you're feeling about that and there is these great psychotherapist and sex therapist and why not give it a shot because it is all about acknowledging, addressing and resolving issues whether they're sexual or, or any other money issues or legal issues, it's about, it's about an action plan. And if you feel uncomfortable, okay, it's understandable. But as the Nike commercial says, sometimes we need to just, just do, do it. it. All right, so we have BDCOM, we have B-E-A-T-T-Y-C-O-H-A-N.com. We have a book. You might want to start with that, For Better, For Worse, Forever. Uh, discover the path to lasting love. We have progressive radio where you can hear her. And uh, this is an important thing. Remember, it's very hard out there. I once had a friend who wanted to get a divorce from a very nice guy, wealthy, loved her. And uh, she didn't. And she didn't because I said to her, what do you think is out there? And she realized, maybe it's better sometimes to, uh, to grow where you are planted. And to do that, you sometimes need help the kind of help you may need is a sex therapist. So this is nothing to be ashamed of or concerned about. It's part of the natural progression of your life for next stage. What do you say, Beatty? I totally, I totally agree. And I think that, you know, hopefully a show like this, I think is so great, Adrian, because it really motivates people to, uh, to just, educate themselves and empower themselves and take action and, and deal with the issues in our lives that are important. Uh, will really improve the quality of our life and our life. So, if it's important to you, it's important to us. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Tell you what's inappropriate. It's Grandma! It's hilarious when grandmas do anything other than watch Matlock. 
And I'm Adrian Berg, not yet a grandma. How about you? You know, we are generation bold. When you get old, you get bold. That's what the baby boomers are doing. And this is the fountain of truth about that word that cannot speak its name. And that word is aging. So we cover the waterfront. And for those of you who can't get enough of this show, like me, uh, go to our website, generationboldradio.com. You'll see the books that we're recommending. You'll read articles by some of our fantastic guests. Uh, and even from me, for those of you who don't know me, I am, now don't hold that against me, a lawyer, have been for uh, since 1972, go do the math, but about 15 years ago, we began a wonderful company called Generation Bold, where we help all kinds of other companies reach boomers and caregivers and older adults and stamp out ageism and stamp out the words anti-aging. And so we really are the shop for everything that's bothering you about aging so we can reverse that whole thought and make you open, excited, and vital about aging. And you'll get a lot of inspiration, too, out of our website, generationboldradio.com. So here's something that's not so inspirational. Uh, Genworth Financial hmm, uh, did a uh, really a very good study, 15,000 nursing homes assisted living facilities. And this is what they found very quickly. $91,250. You heard that right. $91,250 is the median bill for a year in a nursing home. Whoa. Ah, but that's median. In Connecticut, it's 158000 In Alaska, 281000 And in the great state of Oklahoma, 60000 So it depends on the state, but it's very, very expensive. It's going to cost you all your money, period, the end. It's about two and a half years that the average person is in an actual nursing home. And, of course, we haven't spoken about assisted livings. And the cost of aging in place, if you have a disability, is about $45,000. Most of it out of your own pocket one way or another until you become Medicare eligible and Medicaid eligible. Medicare is going to pay for some pennies of it for skilled care. Medicaid is your impoverished program where it pays, but certain restrictions apply, and those restrictions you will not like. I guarantee you that, having been an elder law attorney for many years. So what do you want to do? You want to be functionally young as long as possible. That is not anti-aging. That is pro-aging. And there are people who can help you do that. And one of those peoples is Patrick Roden. Uh, You'll find a lot of his wisdom at aginginplace.com. I've been following his work for many, many years. He he began really a couple of decades ago as a critical care nurse. But then something happened in his life, he's going to tell you about, that took him away from this medical model to something much, much more positive, which he calls critical gerontology, and I call a great life. So let's say hello to Patrick Roden. Hi, Patrick. How are you doing? Good morning, Adrian. You know, the last time I saw you, we were in the Blues nightclub in Chicago. We were. We were whooping it up there and having a great time at the American Society on Aging. Where else would you go to Boogie? (laughs) That's where you'd go to Boogie. Okay, so uh, we got to hear about this seminal thing. This is what what Patrick calls is his aha moment. Let's uh, introduce that aha moment because it's pretty inspirational. Well, first of all, let me let me say I'm honored to be invited on your show. I love what you're doing, and I uh, want to say thanks for your being part of the solution. Thank um, you. Now, you mentioned earlier a nurse, 
and, and I get to follow the sex therapist, so I better be good, right? <laughs> um, I was a critical care nurse for over two decades, as you know, and this career allowed me to have some really extraordinary experiences. And one of those experiences came as a volunteer. I, was, I had a chance meeting with somebody that changed the course of my life forever and my thinking about aging. I'm going to tell a really quick story. In 1992, I was a medical volunteer at the Portland Marathon, and I came to the aid of a famed Jerry athlete named Mavis Lindgren. And when I met her on the course, she was 85 years old, and she had accidentally been knocked down at a water station, and this resulted in her breaking her wrist. So when I encountered her, she was at the 18-mile mark, and she was completely intent on finishing the marathon. So I iced her wrist, held it up, and we completed the seven miles to the finish line. Well, this ended up on the local nightly news, and the next morning, the organizer for the marathon called me up and said, can you please escort her next year for the entire race and as long as she wants to run the Portland Marathon? And, Adrian, this turned out to be the next five marathons until she was 90 when she retired from running. So you saw somebody who was really inspirational, wouldn't quit, was way, way past the age in those days that people actually <laughs> they weren't alive anymore. She was past the, the longevity age. And that did something to you. You went from that critical care medical model of thinking about aging as a decline to something a little different. And what is that? Well, uh, the extraordinary thing about her, Adrian, is that at 90, she completed 75 marathons. And <laughs> the interesting thing is she didn't start her career in running until she was 72. That's when she ran her very first marathon. Now, up until that point, remember, I was trained in the medical model, and I saw aging as a disease process. And the only old people I saw, because I worked my way through school in a nursing home, and then I worked in critical care, the people I saw that were old, they were sick. So it's what we call a sample bias. My aha moment came when I met her, I started to ask myself a question. This was the visceral question that led me into my journey into gerontology was, if it's possible for Mavis, could it be possible for the rest of us? Now you came to the conclusion that the answer is yes. I ran into a concept called critical gerontology. Now historically, we looked at gerontology, we focused on what goes wrong with aging. It's called the old peak and decline model. The emphasis was on decline. Well, critical gerontology looks at what actually is potentially going right with aging. So, you know, we're going to ask that question, um, what goes right with aging? But I, I will say that uh, Beattie Cohn, we asked her, what is the number one thing uh, for sexual prowess? And she said, be happy, have life satisfaction, or you're not going to have good sex. That was a very simple thing to say. And I know that when you say what goes right with aging, uh, you know that you actually go to the same place here, the idea of life satisfaction. The problem is that most of us think that as we get older, we really can't be happy. W what have you seen as a gerontologist uh, and aging, the issues of aging in place? Well, this is a great topic and, and one that I know you're passionate about, and I share that. The underlying assumption with this, with this critical theory model, is that human development is possible, not just in the early stages of life, but throughout the entire lifespan. Let me give you two specific examples of what goes right with aging. Yes. And this has been in the literature quite uh, frequently lately. Do you know the psychologist Laura Cartenson? She's yes. the director of the Center of Longevity at Stanford. 
she talks about life satisfaction and happiness, which you just mentioned. I'm going to read a quote from her. She said, contrary to the popular view that youth is the best time of life, the peak of emotional life may not occur until well into the seventh decade. So in essence, Adrian, what she's saying is we actually get happier and more satisfied with life as we age. Also, my own dissertation, I saw that artists age differently than the rest of the population. So I was looking at creativity and aging, and historically we've made the mistake of equating creativity with productivity. So they look at younger artists that are more prolific and create more works, and they equate that with being creative. But older artists, they may create less and be less prolific, but they're no less creative. And history is really rich with examples like Frank Lloyd Wright and Virginia Woolf. They did their best work in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. And the key to all of this is that, that artists actually rely on wisdom, which <laughs> we, we know increases with age. And that may be something that they have over their younger counterparts. We all know about Grandma Moses. She didn't start her career until she was 78. Yeah, we also know that, that biologically there's something called crystallized intelligence, which is yes. the ability to get all of your experiences together and be wise. We call it wisdom in the vernacular versus fluid intelligence where we're just faster. And, of course, we unfortunately we live in a world where faster is better, and that's not necessarily the case. Uh, speaking exactly. of faster than Patrick, brought up that point. yeah. Speaking of faster, we we ended up having to uh, take wonderful sponsors. I love you all, and I also love all of our affiliates, and I love all of our listeners. But it does mean, Patrick, that we have to take a little bit of a break. When we come back, we're okay. going to be talking about how this all relates to aging in place. And well, and I'm going to actually talk about my husband. He has a real pet peeve. He hates going to a restaurant. And seeing a 60-year-old talk to their 85-year-old parent like this. So, would you like the soup or would you like the salad? Oh, I'm really familiar with this. Yeah. And he he wants to leave. He says, I'm leaving. That's it. Forget it. Uh, So, what does it mean as a caregiver to an older person? We'll talk about this when we come back, Patrick. When when we, we we really want to take care of him, you know. And as you said, we have that sample bias. We feel they're old. They need us. They can't do anything for themselves. So when we come back, we're going to talk about aging in place with Patrick Roden, a, a gerontologist, a scholar, aginginplace.com. And this is Generation Bo, the Fountain of Truth. This is Adrian Bird. Go nowhere. You'll be sorry if you miss this. For my age. Doesn't bother me, not even a Yes, it's true. If you don't believe that aging can be the best part of your life, you got another think coming. And this is Adrian Berg. This is Generation Bold. Please take a look at the Fountain of Truth website. It is generationboldradio.com. You will get the inspiration you need to live your best life. Now, I have been doing research for this show probably since I was 22 years old one way or another and eventually started uh, the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys with 26 colleagues and spent my life on the radio talking to the what they then considered the senior citizen, then I became one. The fact is I've learned one thing. Your television and your computer is as lethal to you as a gun. Why? Because sitting kills. Whether I read the research on how to get rid of your wrinkles, how to have a better sex life, how to live long enough to attend your grandchildren's, your youngest grandchild's wedding. Whatever I read from a medical, biological point of view, I read the same thing. 
get up and move. It doesn't have to be formal Zumba. It could be taking a walk. I belong to free walkers. We did 15 miles yesterday. Many of us did 40 miles yesterday. And believe me, we were all in our 60s and early 70s. So the fact is this. The fact is this. Whether you believe it or not, start small, and I'll get zen on you. I'll go all zen on you. Uh, the journey of a 1,000 miles starts with the first step. When I first started to walk, and we're doing the El Camino, the Great Way in Portugal and Spain, and in a week uh, we'll do at least 110 miles of walking in a very short period of time, I couldn't make three miles. I really couldn't. And now, older, I'm better. I, I'd say it from the heart. Get up and boogie. So, uh, there are aging in place specialists, people who know how to keep you younger. And one of them is Patrick Roden. You're going to love aginginplace.com. You must go to his website. And he's going to make the connection now between healthy aging, the upside of aging, and aging in place. Pat, thanks for staying on with us. It's your turn to illuminate us. Go right ahead. So, Adrian, how, let me define aging in place for your listeners first. Yes. Um, it simply means living in your home and your community as you get older. You're not in an institutional setting. And how this relates to something we were talking about earlier, critical theory, is something called the upside risk of aging. Now, this comes from Dr. Bill Thomas, who's an MD and a geriatrician, and he started something called the Eden Alternative, and I highly suggest your listeners look into this. But the upside risk of aging is this. When we think about risk in the elderly, we have a tendency to think something bad is going to happen. And boomers, as you know, are really guilty of this, of being overprotected. Yeah, because we're worried about falls. Yeah. yeah, we want to keep them safe. And remember that line from the Eagles that said, every form of refuge has its price? Yep. So when we define risk, it's actually an outcome that's different than expected. So with that definition, there's actually two sides to risk. The first is, what's the probability that the outcome is going to be worse than expected? That's the downside of risk. But the other side is, what's the probability the outcome is actually going to be better than expected. That's the upside of risk. And Thomas says this, he said, we're obsessed with the downside of risk when it comes to seniors. And the result of that is we take away any potential upside risk. So aging in place, it's risky, it is, but a normal life is a balance between downside risk and upside risk. And older adults should be given the opportunity to have both. That's a normal part of the life cycle. You know, you, you always talk about full self-expression. I, I, I'm a uh, volunteer. Yep. And uh, I volunteer with little kids who have lost their parents early in life, as I did. And a little boy came in, and he was about eight years old, and his hair was dyed red and blue. And I said to him, Atticus, which is a great name, Atticus, why did you, red and blue hair? He says, self-expression. And very frequently, older adults are not given an opportunity for self-expression if they've lost their filter, people marginalize anything they have to say. <laughs> but how do we get out of that, particularly if it's our own parents? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough one, because we see it that way. That is a tough one. Um, you know, the thing about living in community uh, there's a thing called environmental press, and it's it's something that you have to meet the challenges of daily living. Yes. And if you take people and put them in an institution, they no longer have that opportunity. And there's really two elements. And for a lot of people, the, the barrier to successful aging is the healthy brain. Yes. That's what scares most people about aging. Well, there's two concepts, and these are absolutely key. One is novelty, 
and the other one is complexity. So when you meet the daily challenges of living in the community, you encounter novelty and complexity. And these grow and strengthen what we call dendrites, or the connections in the brain. Novelty, me- so you mean something new. Crucial. That you end up with, yeah, okay. So novelty is something new. It's not the same old routine all the time. Exactly. Okay. Institutions are built uh, for efficiency, and they're on, they're on institution time. And it's, it's based on routine behavior, and that is the absolute death of dendritic connections. So throughout your day, just do something different. Take a different route home. Um, order something different on the menu. These are just simple things you can do. Um, I remember from the um, MacArthur Foundation studies, there were two factors that predicted 80% of longevity survivors. One was whether you smoked or not. That was real obvious. Right, very important. The other one was the degree of complexity in your daily behavior. Those who live more complex lives live longer. And you're a lawyer. I'll give you an example. Supreme Court justices, you yep. can't kill those people. You can't. I know. Just keep living and living and living. <laughs> Patrick, some of the presidents good. would like to kill them. <laughs> I can't do it. Yeah, I'm going to bring up this. this I'm going to bring up this one thing, which fits perfect. I've been looking at a study that came out of Health Day News, uh, and it was oh, very recent, April eighth. Uh, it was uh, in the Journal of Neurology. It says knit. It says do crafts. All the things we think of as old, sitting and knitting. Apparently, when you do it in community, Patrick, it actually helps those dendrites in the brain because it's a complex thing to do is knitting, but it's better if you never knitted before to start doing that. And that's what—that's one of your takeaways, isn't it? Novelty. It is. Yep. And it then is. And the second one? I know there's another one that's a, a big one that you want everybody to know well, about. Well, the essential th- the older I get, the more essential I think the purpose of, in people's lives to create meaning and contribute to what we call successful aging. Longevity really is a byproduct of a life on purpose. It's not something you pursue directly. Um, it's something that you, one yeah. Of the, one of the things that I learned from Mavis, and I love this line, it's your biography because is you. your biology. So how you live will determine a large part how you age. So that's a great, p- unfortunately, Patrick, we have to stop at that. But if I'm going to stop at anything, it's going to be your biology It is not, is not determinative. It really has to do with how you live your life. That's how you're going to age. And, of course, we're talking with Patrick Roden. Uh, and don't forget, aginginplace.com. Uh, we are the only show that deals with these issues of aging. And it's not a simple topic. Just be as inappropriate as you can. Go out there, kids. Make it happen. <laughs>